First, I want to express my gratitude to this congregation for giving me this opportunity to prepare a sermon. And uh, it's been a great privilege of mine to be able to study the Word of God uh, in such fashion. I know that uh, we should all be studying, uh, but when you have an objective like this at hand, uh, it intensifies. And uh, I've been wonderfully edified um, in this time. I'm, I'm learned. And... Uh, I've, I've sought the Lord for repentance. I've sought him um, and given him praise for the wonderful truths that he's given to us in his word. I would like to read our scripture, which is from the third chapter of Genesis, and it's verses 1 through 21. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband with her, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of them were both opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said unto him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between her offspring and your offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. I would like to talk to you about this. Gender roles in the created order, in the fall, and the subsequent curses of the three offenders evolved in this situation. 
In order to set the scene and to set the stage, I'm going to refer quickly and do a brief summary of the first two chapters of Genesis, which give us an overview of God's creation, his created order, and the different things that he did uh, in the first two chapters. This topic has been and is widely under attack today. It has been under attack since the fall, but more so since the 60s of this past century, gender roles have been under attack, not from only outside of the evangelical community, but by and large from within. This perversion of God's created order is a satanic attack on the gospel. Marriage, as the Bible teaches, is an organic living representation of Christ and his church. And a perversion of this is an attack on that. This is shown in the creation, fall, and I believe more fully shown in the subsequent curses that God pronounces on Satan, Adam, and Adam and Eve. And by no means this is not exhaustive. Um, this is certainly just an overview of, of what happened here. So three points to make in regard to gender roles. I would like to make the point of uh, gender roles with respect to the created order regarding the fall and the required regeneration for correction. So in order to set the scene and to set the chronology of Genesis chapter 3, um, God, by the Holy Spirit through Moses, carefully records the chronology of the created events in Genesis 1 through, 1, uh, 1 through 31. God separates the day and the night the first day. God separates the heavens and heavens the second day. God speaks the, uh, separates the water from dry land and creates vegetation and trees the third day. God created the sun, moon, and stars to separate times and seasons and night and day. The fourth day, God creates all life in the sea and above, above the sea. The fifth day, God then creates all the land animals, livestock, and creeping things. Now at the height of his creation, he makes man. To show also that men are distinct from animals, alone does man bear the image of God. And notice also that male and female both are equal image bearers of God. Male and female are created, and they both are given dominion over all the earth and all the things in the earth. We have here in the record that God has pronounced that everything is good up until this point, and only after he creates men and women does he say that it is very good. Excuse me. Okay. Now, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord God says that something is not good. <clears throat> okay. Oh, I got ahead of myself here, guys. Okay. In the record, God does not need to create this way or record the scriptures this way. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. God is all-powerful. God could blink everything into existence all in one motion. God shows the created order by in sequence, going through each thing to show a chronology of the created order. Each thing is sequentially placed for the purpose of showing the created order. Notice, though, the equal standing of male-female before God. So just briefly, we see in the created order the distinctions God records. Again, this is not re God is not restrained by necessity, 
but is showing the order of sequence. Now we see in Genesis chapter 2 a much closer view of God's creating male and female. Again, God here is establishing the chronological sequence so as to establish the role differences between men and women. And in verses 16 and 17, the command goes out, the command goes first to Adam before, before we ever hear of Eve. God formed Adam first, and in Genesis 2.15, gave him the task of working the garden and keeping it. And in verses 16 and 17, God's command goes forth to Adam. Notice God's command not, not to eat is never recorded that God gives this command directly to Eve. This speaks of man's responsibility to know the word of God and to teach it to his wife as per Ephesians 5.26. This does not exclude women from knowing and understanding the word of God, but it does speak of the fact that men are the primary spiritual leaders in the home and their responsibility is to lead their wife in spiritual things. Okay, now I'm where I was, thought I was. In verse 18, God says, finally God says that it's not good that man should be alone. In verse 18, God declares man's state by himself and his remedy for his solitude. Woman is created as man's helper. I know that the connotation behind helper today in our culture is something negative, but let me remind you who else is called a helper in the Bible, none other than God himself, the Holy Spirit. This is not a negative thing, but again to show, to show the distinctions between man and animal, to show that woman is not animal, but to show the distinction between man and woman, God displays this in verses 19 and 20 by bringing all the animals to Adam to name and to seek a helper, as it were. God does not need Adam to name the animals. God knows their names before they were given. God does not need to find a helper for Adam. God knows all things and knew exactly what his plan was before it was carried out. God shows this as a distinction. So in verse 21, God causes Adam to sleep and takes a rib and fashions Eve and brings her to Adam. John Calvin says, To us the wonderful providence of God shows forth. He goes on to speak of the complementary roles of men and women in regard to taking a rib from Adam, as opposed to another place on his body. To Adam is given a helper who completes him, and to Eve is given a protector who shelters her in his strength. This is a beautiful thing. This is God's providence in life. He creates man, and he creates man, in essence, with a need, and that that need is fulfilled in woman, and that woman, in essence, is created with a need, and it's fulfilled in man. There is a wonderful dignity about a woman who trusts in her husband and submissively leans into the side from which she was taken. There is an unsurpassed surpassed honor of a man who tenderly and carefully leads his wife. But the very opposite is true, and there is a vileness about a woman who usurps the authority of her husband. There is a perversion of the worst kind when wives rise up against their husband. And this is only magnified in a worse way when men passively and lazily fail to lead their wives. So in brief, we should take away the following from chapters 1 and 2. 1. The order of creation in sequence speaks of the different subjections and places of things and animals, and more specifically men and women. The chronology is key. The New Testament author, uh, writers uh, interpreted the chronological sequences of 
the created order as being very significant in, in rule. Adam was formed first. Eve, or Adam was given a helper. God's command is only ever given to Adam. Eve was taken from Adam. None of this trumps our equality. It just proves our differences. Men, are, men and women are equal, but our roles are vastly different. We don't need a microscope to, and put, to put cells underneath the microscope in order to see that men and women have vastly different roles. There's, there's things that, women, do that uh, women can do that men just can't do, such as giving birth. It's, uh, it's kind of like what I've been telling you all along, that uh, there's things that an Android phone can do that an iPhone can't do, you know? All right. So let's move on to the main body of our text here in Genesis chapter 3. So it, as, again, it's just an overview. It's, it's certainly not the only things that we can draw from the first chapter, two chapters of Genesis. There's, there's, a, there's a lifetime of knowledge and a wealth of information there that could never fully be tapped. But as an overview, um, it, it is apparent uh, that God has ordained in the created order before the fall that men and women were to have specific roles and uh, that those roles were um, made in the created order. Okay, so we know that in the original writings of these of the Bibles that we didn't have page breaks or chapter breaks or or verse breaks or anything like that. But immediately following chapter two, we drop we dive into this narrative of chapter three where we are we are given the account of the fall. So it goes from the women, the men, and uh, the husband and his wife, or the man and the woman knew that they were not naked and they were not ashamed, or knew that they were naked and were not ashamed. To now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. So we have this picture of God's created order in sequence, chronologically laid out for us and carefully recorded by Moses to show us the order that God has created things. And immediately following that, I would submit to you, is a whole chapter on the perversion of roles and their subsequent curses. <clears throat> Follow along with me, if you will, please. Uh, this is Satan speaking, and he only speaks three times that we know of in the, in the entire Bible, and all three times that Satan speaks, once here, once in Job, and once in the temptation of Jesus in the Gospel. Satan is calling into question the faithfulness of God and his word. Satan says, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? But that's not what God said. God said, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, with the exception of one. Notice how Satan accuses God of holding back. This sows seeds of discontentment into Eve's heart. And because her husband was there with her, his as well, I would imagine. Notice that Satan is not speaking to Adam, but to Eve. Satan knows God's command, and I would argue he knows it was given directly to Adam. But Eve's heart is willing to receive and even offers help to the tempter. Some have said here that Eve is guilty of adding to and taking away from the command of God. Verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, 
But God, sh- God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Charles Spurgeon says, Eve had begun to feel the fascination of the evil one, for she softened down the word of God. The Lord had said concerning the tree of knowledge of good and evil, In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. A little spirit of doubt had crept into Eve's mind, so she answered, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Eve took the definite article in surely die, and, and exchange it for the indefinite article in lest we die. God said, if you eat of the fruit of this tree, you will surely die. And Eve, Eve says, if we eat of it, we'll most likely die or probably die. So it's an indefinite article. Not only that, we don't have the command of God being recorded as having anything to do with touching the fruit in the garden. God says, do not eat. He never says, do not touch. Eve adds to the command of God by saying, Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, Satan is well aware of Eve's, Eve's waning spirit and fires the final arrow of temptation in verses 4 and 5. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Eve can no longer bear the weight of this pull, and lust takes over and she eats. Eve leaves her place as helper and removes herself from protection of her husband. Rather than seeking the required spiritual help and guidance from her husband, she takes control of the situation and thus the roles are reversed. Adam, while knowing perfectly well that he is the authority of his wife, is found willing uh, of his wife, is found willing to allow his wife not only to transgress, but is now seen submitting to his wife and eating the fruit as well. This perversion of role that God, uh, this perversion of role that God created, is the exact ingredients needed to complete the recipe for the fall. This isn't a magical tree that makes you wise; rather, it is a betrayal of the created order that awakens your heart to sin. Now we see in verse seven that the eyes, their eyes, have been opened. Coming into sharp focus is the reality of their nakedness and the harsh reality of the world which they now must live. It would seem that in a frantic attempt to cover their sin and nakedness, almost in a panic, they sew together fig leaves to cover themselves. This primitive covering must have felt woefully inadequate and alien to them. But more than that, The new and strange feelings of terrible fear and shame drove them to hide from the footsteps of their God. The sound of God coming would would have meant sweet fellowship prior to their sin, and now it was the sound of judgment. The scriptures show more clearly God's design and roles for men and women in the judgment of our first parents than the preceding verses. They are shown by God's perfect justice in the subsequent sentences of each offender. Never one drop more or one drop less will ever be poured out of God's hand in judgment against people who have offended him. He is perfectly righteous and perfectly just and knows the exact amount. To the serpent, God God curses him in a figurative way, and this is what I could draw. 
to the serpent, God curses him in a figurative way in the sense that Satan isn't a snake, but had only taken on the form of one. So now the serpent was cursed similarly to Satan as the highest angel now fallen. I believe this refers to Satan's habitation, now not heaven, but in the dirt of, or in the dirt or earth, or the lower places in respect to heaven. This may or not may not refer to his fall, but probably his state. But more to our point, Satan's curse brings the first messianic prophecy and speaks his ultimate destruction through the cross of Jesus Christ. This perfect justice coming, uh, this perfect justice in the coming Christ coincides perfectly with the attack Satan made on the rules of Adam and Eve that represented the gospel of the same. Satan attacked the created order. Satan involved himself in a way that I'm not even sure if he realized the depth of what was going on there, but the marriage that represented the gospel between Adam and Eve was attacked and perverted, and God's justice for Satan is his ultimate demise in the coming Christ. Now to Eve. Eve's curse again shows the roles that were perverted. Perfect justice is shown in her sentence. She saw, she, <laughs> she sold seashells by the seashore. <laughs> she sought pleasure and self-gratification in the eating of fruit. She usurped her husband's authority and stepped out of her role. And we could read in, in sorry, uh, in verse 16, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, and in pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he will rule over you. She sought pleasure and self-gratification in eating of the fruit. Okay. Now the things in life that should bring her the most earthly joy will be the source of her greatest heartache. Some rabbinical sources say that the pain in childbearing has to do with not just birth pain in a physical sense, but the whole child-rearing process. This joy of children, this joy of children will be mingled with the greatest emotional pain and suffering. Any parent knows this to be true. We can have great joy in our children, but the source of the greatest heartache most likely will come from our children and from our marriages. <clears throat> Eve knew this, and this was a this was a prophecy that was manifest to her very clearly in the next chapter with her son Cain raising up and slewing his, his brother Abel. Not a lot is said about, about Eve. She does speak of it when, she, when Seth is born to her, I believe, but you can imagine the torment she must have been in to have one child kill another. So she sought pleasure. Now she will have grief. She stepped out of her role in the family in the family order, and now she'll be cursed with hardship and marriage. Your desire will be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. In Genesis chapter 4, in verse 7, 6 and 7, <clears throat> we know the story that uh, Cain offered an unacceptable offering to the Lord, and, and Abel's was accepted, and Cain's was rejected, and and God is speaking to Cain here, and he says, Why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. The exact same sentence structure and Hebraic words are used in Genesis chapter 4, 6, and 7 as they are in dealing with Eve in God's pronouncement of her curse. What does sin desire to do to you? 
It desires to rule you, to control you, to have dominion over you. God is saying, you have stepped out of your role in, in, in regard to your husband. Your desire will be for your husband. And the, the, the Hebrew word there literally means to stretch out after. And he shall rule over you. See, this, this curse, I believe, also speaks of what Adam's role was in the fall. And the fact that he was passive uh, in, in leading his wife away from the sin and temptation of Satan. And now, now he's going to rule over her. And husbands and wives, we know that this curse is, is very um, accurate. There is going to be marital conflict, and that is directly related to the curse. The greatest sources of earthly joy for women are now cursed and broken because of the perversion of roles in the sin of our first parents. Adam was passive, Eve usurped. Now man will tend to be dominating and women will seek to control. Now in verse 17, again, perfectly relating to the sin of Adam, God declares that because, oh, I'll read it. <clears throat> because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your faith, face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So again, God's justice is seen here in the curse of Adam. God declares that because Adam obeyed the voice of his wife, and the Greek or the Hebrew word there is Shema, which means to hearken unto, to obey, to give heed to, to uh, listen to. Because you have failed to keep the created role that you were made, that was made for you, and have eaten of the tree, cursed is the ground because of you. Eve's curse, is, Eve's curse of marital plight equally affects Adam as well. So we can see here that God is looking at the bigger picture of what what had happened. Now he will toil endlessly to provide for his family, whereas before it was a simple and it was simple and delightful to do so. This is of the greatest burden for a man to provide for his family. Again, perfect justice for what happened. We must see that the sentences perfectly fit the three transgressors. Gender roles are not a result of the curse. Let me say that again. Gender roles today are not a result of the curse that is corrected into, e into egalitarianism through Christ. The fall is a result of an attempt at egalitarianism or perversion of the gender roles. Gender roles were established in the created order and distorted by the fall. The cross of Christ is the only solution for return, in part at least, to the created order. I am not, I am not preaching prosperity. I am not saying that if you come to Jesus, that you're going to have a purpose-driven life or your best life now. I am saying that through the cross of Christ is the only hope we have of regaining what was lost in the fall. To live out the gospel in our marriages, we need to understand God's created order. Our marriages are meant to convey the gospel, a living, breathing, organic display of Christ in his church. Maybe we need to be confessing to our husbands and to our wives if we have stepped out of the order that God has created us to walk in. I have been seeking forgiveness for my wife 
as I learned further in this topic. It seems to me that a variation of the fall is played out an infinite amount of times in the lives of men and women over and over again. Men tend to be passive. Women naturally rise up in an effort to compensate and this leads to an authority struggle. Then because the family becomes unbalanced, men become domineering and harsh. Whatever scenario, do not be foolish like Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 verse 7 when they tried to make for themselves a covering of fig leaves. God alone can provide the covering for you as he represents in verse 21 of Genesis chapter 3 that he took animal skins and prepared them and made a covering for Adam and Eve. Symbolically talking about the covering that only God can provide in the cross of Christ. The sin of our first parents has profound implications historically. It speaks of the total depravity of our hearts. It speaks of our need for a savior. It speaks of God's created order being twisted and perverted by a tempter and by hearts that were willing to sin. Jesus Christ alone can provide the covering. Jesus Christ alone is the covering for sin. If you are trusting in Christ as your Savior, then allow the Word of God to sanctify you. Allow the Word of God to shape you in your lives and in your marriages. Keep with the role that God created for you, and God will bless you in those things. Step outside of the role that God created and we'll suffer loss. Let's pray. Father, come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for him. We thank you, God, that you are God of order, that you are a God who is concerned about the roles that we have, Father, we pray that you would give us the strength to live up to the best of our ability with a good motive and a sincereness of heart, Lord, the, the roles that you've given us as men and women. Whether we're married or not, Father, we do recognize that there is roles given to us and that these roles, when they are transgressed, it is evil and needs to be confessed as sin. I confess, Lord, that I fail at this, and I look to you, and we look to you, Father, for help in these things. Bless us now, Father, with your word. In Christ's name, amen.